was actually a message that um, I wrote while we were at Luke Hochaver's on an event. And, and I titled it Community. Um, but what, what do you think of when you hear the word community? Group of people. Anyone else? I mean, when you hear the word community, if someone says, oh, it's, it's all a community. <laughs> Lamar, small town. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, tight knit. I mean, there's a lot of things, a lot of things we can reference when we reference community. And Webster's Webster's Dictionary actually defines it in this way: it, it defines the definition of community is a a unified body of individuals, such as the people with a common interest, maybe living in a particular area. Uh, a, a, a likeness, uh, maybe it's a community of interests, uh, or, or even just a fellowship. You know, that's how Webster's actually defines community. And a community is a, is a small or large social unit that has something in common, such as uh, some sort of norm, like a religion, a value, an identity. A uh, community will often share a sense of place um, that is situated in a given geographical area or uh, farming communities, I've heard that all my life. Well, it's just a little farming community, you know. I mean, it's, you see your picture in this little farm town. That's kind of what I live in. I live in a little farm town. But I hear the word community a lot at our, at our events. And, you know, our events are focused on veterans. Um, we have groups of volunteers. Sometimes our volunteers are veterans. But our focus is ministry to volunteers or to, to veterans. And... A lot of times in the conversations that I overhear, as, as you guys share back and forth with each other, is I hear that word community come into play. You might not necessarily call it community, but what I'm hearing is you have a brotherhood. You have a fellowship. You have a community because you are, you're of like mind. You're, you're just like what it talks. You have a likeness. Uh, there, there's something that connects you because you've, you've served together. You, you know the drill. You know where it's come from and a lot of us do not because I haven't been down that road but so I hear this word a lot and when I we arrived at, at Luke Hochaver's um, and he, he handed me a book and he said you got to read this book he said dude I opened the book I read it in three days well we were at Luke's for four days I read the book and wrote a sermon on the fourth day <laughs> and and the book actually was not a christian author it wasn't some biblical book that was written it was actually a book called tribe very intriguing concepts of community in this and it it grabbed me this guy was not coming from any type of a biblical perspective he was actually just he actually did relate back to the native american tribes um and and how how close-knit a tribe is uh, matter of fact, that he even describes in his book how oftentimes in, in the Western days that, you know, tribes would steal young children or people, women, whatever, and, and they would steal them away from a, from a community. And many times when those were rescued out of that, they fought to return because they found a place in a, in a community, in a tribe that accepted them and that they had value. Today in America especially, there's not, we don't put much value in people. We don't put much value, even sometimes we don't put much value in our families. You know, I mean, I see it all the time. You know, I see a family like the Renfro family. 
these guys are pretty close-knit. I mean, you get one, you get them all. I mean, this is what it is, right? I mean, that's how it seems. So there, there's a close-knitness there, but I see all other families that are not anywhere near that close. You know, that some of them don't even like each other, you know? So there's, it's not just about a family unit. There is something about a likeness, something about a common ground that brings us to a place of community. So when I think of community, <clears throat> the first thing that comes to my mind is like the town I live in. It is that little farming town, Perkins, Oklahoma, home of Pistol Pete. I mean, literally, they got his house downtown in Perkins. That's the home of Pistol Pete. So uh, it was a western town. It, they, um, there's a place on there on the Cimarron River that's called Horse Thief Canyon. And there's all kinds of stories about the old gangs that used to use Horse Thief Canyon and different places as hideouts all up and down the Cimarron River. Lots of history of the old western gangs and things that we hear about in storybooks and western novels that, that were there in that area. But it's a farming community. It's a little podunk town. There's, it's not a lot of people. Um, but when, you, when, you, when you're in a farming community, this, this group of people are around you, the, the, the most, most of the folks around there have, have a, a, a sense of trust in each other. It's a, it's a tight-knit group. A lot of times when you when you find yourself in a farming community, everyone's known each other. You know, well, I've known him since you know since he's born. I, there's, there's a there's a there's a community involved in that. There's a tightness because there's a there's a familiarity. There's a common ground. You know, some people that grew up there that have never left there. You know, they're still there today, and or, or they you know they have a legacy, and their family has grown up in those communities. And and I, one of the things that I really like. Um, a lot of the town folk there, I know personally. I, I grew up in Stillwater, which is about 10 miles away. It's <coughs> Oklahoma State University, college town. I can't stand it. I, I don't like being in it. I don't like driving through it. I don't, I don't, I mean, I, I figured out how to get around it to places I need to go because I don't like the traffic. I don't like the people. It's, it's too crowded. It's too messy. It's too city for me. I like Perkins. It's quiet. You know, you drive down Main Street, and, and inevitably when you drive through a farming community, if you're in farming country or farming community, there's one thing that happens when you drive by somebody. And, and it comes in variations. It could be a – or it might be the, you know, one finger off the steering wheel. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. Or it might just be a, you know, or, or there, there's like a, hey, man, you know, you got, you got to get the, the slice in there, you know. That's if you really know them. I mean, if you if you know the truck coming at you, it's like, oh, that's a, how's it going, man? You know, and there's a variations of all this stuff because there, there's there's some common ground. You know these people. It's a community. You've got a familiarity. You've got a connection to these people. I see community throughout the Bible in in in, um, in the same way towns that. Uh, or, or gatherings of people in an area, uh, but, but when I look at these, it, it's usually like family. It becomes like family. <coughs> you know, the small communities that we live in, or that maybe it's the, if you live in town, maybe it's just the area of town that you live in. You know your neighbors. You're, there's a there's a familiarity there. That 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 knowing of people, sharing of of, of family life. Th- this Bible refers to this um, throughout history. It was referred to as tribes. You know, like there was the tribe of Judah. You know, the, the sons that came from Abraham, um, there were 12 tribes that, that 
came from that. Each tribe was a family, as that's described. It was the tribe of Judah, the, the you know whatever the other you know family names were. They each were became a tribe of people. They became their own community. And and so the history throughout the Bible talks about the tribe, and and there were there were actually twelve tribes of Israel, and, and these were made up of the twelve sons of Jacob. Jesus himself, once he began his ministry, he had a community around him. He had a tribe, if you will, of his followers, his disciples. There were twelve who were who were real tight with him. Um, they moved with him. They 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 flowed with him. They they pretty much lived together. They 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 traveled together. They communed together. They ate together. They ministered together. He was teaching them what it meant to have that community and, ha- and have that tightness. Um, and he shared life. That that was the that was the coolest part to me. When you look at Jesus' history and you look at how he walked with his disciples, they shared life together. You know, it was just the sharing of common ground. So I'm reminded of an account where, where Jesus and his tribe were in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Jesus, knowing his time were, was running out, and this mob was coming after him to arrest him. Peter's one of my favorite biblical characters. I think Peter was a knucklehead. I can relate to Peter. You know? I mean, Peter just done some dumb things every now and again. And, and what happens here is you've got this, this tribe this group of followers of Jesus that have been with him, they're walking family together, they're living life together, and now you got this mob that's coming to arrest Jesus. Well, I mean, we see it on the news every day. Wow, he was just a good boy. He didn't do nothing wrong. He didn't deserve them cops throw him on the ground. You know, we see that story unfold every day, right, on the news. Well, that's kind of what these guys are thinking when this mob's coming after Jesus. He hadn't done nothing wrong. Why, why do you want to arrest him? What is this deal? What are you doing? Well, Peter, being the knucklehead he is, he draws a sword. He takes a swing at somebody. Now, like the Bible describes where Peter cuts the ear off one of the officers. I really don't think that was his intent. I kind of got a feeling that if you get somebody swinging a sword at your head, you're probably not just going to stand there and let him slice your ear off. That was probably one of these things, and it whacks his ear off the side of his head instead of cutting his head off. That was the idea that I'm pretty sure Peter had. And some, some of my thoughts come from the MOV version of the Bible, which is my own version. So I, I usually try to, and that's kind of, I, I see all these things, and that's in my, my own version there. But in this, in this particular account um, where Peter tries to defend him, he showed his commitment to his community. I mean, I'm willing to fight for this. I'm willing to protect you. I'm, I'm willing to, you know, to, to, to just hold the ground for you. Community provides protection. It, it provides a, a comfort, a sense of peace even, knowing that your tribe has your back. When I leave town, when I left uh, Friday on this trip, I could actually show you the text. I said that I have five neighbors. I have the, the, the neighbor that owns all the land around me that runs cattle. I actually bought my house from him, rented from him for years, good friends. Um, I text him. I have uh, a little couple live in a trailer house right across the road from me that we're well acquainted. And uh, then there's uh, another little couple that lives across the road, and then there's a little family that lives just down the road. So I've got, I've got like these five neighbors that I, you know, I have near me. And so every time I leave town, and like right now, I sold my extra truck, so right now my wife's with her dad, so there's no cars in our house. That bothers me. I don't, I don't like that because we live in the country. We live out in the country. So I, I got worry about my stuff. I mean, I got trailers. I got four-wheelers. I got, you know, I got stuff everywhere. And so I, I 
kind of started joking about turning on the neighborhood alarm system. So I text all my neighbors, hey, going to be out of town this weekend. You know, my son drives a white truck. My daughter drives a, a black truck. Those should be the only vehicles in my house if anybody's there. Anybody else is there, you know, you might check with it or, or text me or something. And, and it happens. There ain't nobody drives into my driveway that one of my neighbors doesn't send me a text. Hey, you know who's driving this vehicle here? Oh, shoot, I forgot about that. Yes, I know who they are, you know. I mean, but, but I turned that neighborhood alarm system on so that my community is looking after me. And that, that's part of that. When, um, when community provides a sense of comfort, it, like, like Peter with Jesus, uh, he went to battle for his community, for his friends. Here's the cool part. As we surrender our lives and our hearts to Christ, it becomes important that we build a community around us, a tribe of people uh, that, that we can grow to trust, that, to learn in, on, lean on in times of, of need or accountable uh, to, and, and even provide accountability to them, to cover our six maybe, if that's how you guys want to look at it, when, when needed, or to even encourage us when we struggle. I mean, I know we're you know, a group of guys, we don't probably have any struggles in our life, right? Yeah, I mean, Adam, Adam and I sat here yesterday afternoon in the quiet and kind of shared war stories with each other about the challenges and the struggles of life that we're walking through right now. And, and no one's immune from that. I mean, we all have our challenges. We all have our struggles. But it's, it's good to have someone that's in our community, in our tribe, that we can trust. I, you know, the time I've spent in ministry, I've learned you can't just spout off your struggles to just anybody. Because the whole town may know soon, you know. I mean, there's there's a reason why we have this close contacts, these these tribe members that, that we can trust and we can lean on and we can share with them. I, Adam can't solve my problems. I can't solve his. But it, it allows us to unload, and now we can share that burden together, and, and we can we can pray for each other. We can support each other. You know, I might send him a text, or he might send me a text. Hey, how's it going today? You know, sometimes those texts come at very, very unique moments in life, like when we really need them. So that's, you know, that's just one of the things that when we, when we build these types of communities around us, uh, it's, it's very needed, you know, encourage us when we're struggling. I've witnessed often since, since becoming a part of Peter and William that um, even on social media, we'll see maybe it's a veteran who, who posts about a struggle. Maybe it's um, whatever life's treat, you know, thrown at them at the time. And I watch as multiple people of our volunteer base will respond to them on social media. You know, and I know that there's lots of private messages go out in times like that too to those guys that are challenged or having their, their troubles. But just to say, hey, man, we, we, we got you. You know, we'll support you. We'll help you. Church can become a community. Um, as a matter of fact, in Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, let us hold fast to the confessions of our hope without wavering. Our salvation or, or our relationship with Christ, for, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not, ne- not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. I, I've heard preachers take that particular scripture and use it to try to condemn you into, or make you feel convicted about not ever going to church or missing church service. That, that's not what that scripture says. This, this scripture doesn't tell me that you got to go to church. But I can tell you that a good quality ministry is a good place to be. 
because it's part of that community. It builds that structure around you, that 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 brotherhood around you that's got your back when when things are tough. You know, it's it's good to have that fellowship. I've seen some that don't work so good, but I've seen some that work really really well. Don't neglect meeting with your community. We need we need it. We need each other. It's necessary, especially as the day or the time that we live in. Our, our community. Um, if assembled properly, can give us strength and encouragement. And, and, and in times when we struggle in life, it'll, it'll be there to help us. Our tribe, if, if, if you will, will, will be there to walk us through a struggle or a challenge. Don't neglect your community, especially as we see the day approaching. The way that word says that, the day being referred to is, is the second coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture. You know, we need the fellowship, especially the time that we're living in today and as, as we see this day approach the, the you know our, our end times are coming I, we won't delve off into that there's a lot of stuff but we know what we're living in today and we know how important it is to have strong people around us today to encourage us and to help us and to walk through things the bible says in proverbs twenty-seven seventeen that iron sharpens iron just as a man sharpens another man through community, through meeting together, through covering each other, through watching out for each other, through, through serving each other, through our time spent in community with each other, we sharpen each other. You know, I, I actually have a, a sermon, and I, 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 I brought it with me because I thought it would be one I would use. I like using it on events like this. And, and that, that, that sermon is actually titled Iron Sharpens Iron. I've got my favorite sharpening stuff in my bag because I like to do a demonstration of what that means. But one thing that God showed me recently that I've had to add to my sermon, I've got a little old, I don't know, a little double wheel thing, you know, to start your edge. And I was using it one day. I, I use it all the time, especially on my kitchen knives. I use that to get my edge cut back on it, and I use a, a steel. I've got an old antique steel. I've been in my family for I don't even know how long. And I use that steel to put that final tune on it to make it just where I want it. And, and all my boning knives and things that I cut deer with, whatever, and um, but something happened. I was sharpening a knife one day, and it just dawned on me that right there at the at the base of that piece of plastic, it's a little Rada cutlery two wheel thing, you know, was all this metal shaving. And I thought that'll preach. That'll preach because when you think about iron sharpening iron, you're literally talking about grinding against something else. To get that edge back, you're going to have to cut away some things. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to grind away some stuff that you don't need. You're going to have to grind away some rough edges, so maybe a nick in the blade. And you're going to have to take that, that out of there. You're going to have to take that wound, and you're going to have to grind across it until it's gone before you can ever put that final edge back on. So, you know, there's, there's things about that iron sharpening iron that we've definitely got to have. The enemy of our soul plots against us. He twists our thoughts. He uses our, our memory to dredge up our past. He throws our old sin at us, trying to trip us up and to, and to get us to fall. The Bible tells us that when we confess our sin to God, and when we repent, we turn away from that sin, that God casts our sin as far away as the east is from the west, never be used against us again by him. We talked about this a little bit the other night, how far it is the east is from the west. But it says, I'll not use that sin against you again. God says that. Our enemy will use it against us every stinking day. He don't want us to forget who we were. 
He doesn't want you to forget where you've been, how bad you've been, the things that you've done. But God says, when you hand me that stuff, I'll never use it against you. I'll not judge you by that. You're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You realize that when we surrender our life to Christ, that this reference of being covered by the blood, Jesus died on a cross for our sin. He shed his blood at Calvary. The Bible describes how he does that. Crucifixion, most brutal way of, of death ever known to mankind. And that bloodshed at Calvary is what washes us clean. It's through his blood. So when we accept him into our life, when we accept him as our Savior, when we ask him to forgive our sins, it's that blood, and, and it's that's what Jesus, or God sees when he looks at us. He sees the blood of his son. He doesn't see our past. He doesn't see our history. He doesn't see our sin any longer. He doesn't see the, the things that we were, the ugliness that was in us. He sees his son's blood. And it's through that that, that we've got eternal life. His best warfare, our enemy's best warfare, is to single us out, to cut us from the herd, if you will, to get us alone where we're more vulnerable, where, where our tribe can't see us and, and maybe they can't come to our aid. Guys, it's imperative that we build community around us and, or that we attach ourselves to a tribe who can not only protect us, but who will help us grow. POM is a tribe like that, a community of believers that, that desire to provide cover for each one of us. From our, from our volunteers all the way to our veterans. I mean, we, we, we try to help everybody as we can. Your local church, a, a, a Christian men's group, and I, and I say that on purpose, you don't just need a men's group. You need, you need a, a group of solid followers that, that are men of faith to surround you. Don't pick weak, weak people to support you. That's not a good idea. I, I want the strong around me because I need strength around me, you know, to help me in my time of weakness. It's not always easy finding a tribe that we trust, and that's not always a bad thing. I tell people all the time, I don't want you finding a church that you feel comfortable in. I don't want you to be comfortable. I want you to be challenged. I, I, I shared when we were in, in Luke's in, uh, in December, and one of the guys that was there had a lot of questions, and, and he was – you know, he was eating up all this stuff. He wanted information. He's trying to make a life decision. And, and the one thing I told him, and, and, and I, I, I say it comically, but I'm, I'm serious. If you leave here this weekend without making a decision for Jesus Christ, without making a decision to become a follower of Christ, I'm going to pray that you're miserable until you do. It sounds funny, but I'm, I'm honestly, that's exactly how I'm going to pray over you. The God will make you so miserable that you realize he's my only hope because he is. There's no hope in this world. There's nothing that we can put our trust or our hope in short of Jesus Christ for our future. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That simply states that there is only one way to God, our Creator, and that is through living, breathing, personal relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this way. I'm, I'm going to do things a little different than I normally do. I'm going to ask you not to bow your head, not to close your eyes, because I want, you to, I want you to see me. I want you to look at me as we go through this. But I'm going to ask you, as you keep your eyes open, I want you to be able to see that your community around you is here to support you. I want to ask you, are you a follower of Christ? 
And when I talk about being a follower of Christ, I categorize people two ways. I might not should do that, but I do. I think there are believers. There are a lot of people who believe that there's a God, there's a creator, and that maybe he created us, maybe he has a plan for us, but they don't necessarily follow him. And then I, I, I call myself a follower of Christ. Not only do I believe in who he is and what he did for me, but I believe in the path that he's chosen for me, and I follow him just like one of his disciples. I want to do life like he did to the best of my ability. I fail miserably at times, but I know that I can look to him and he will pick me back up. Just like Peter in that boat deal. You know, when, he, when, he, when he, Peter climbed out of that boat, he took his eyes off Jesus. He began to sink, but he cried out, Lord, save me. And the Bible says that he, he reached out and he grabbed him and he picked him back up. And I believe that together they walked, walked on a, a stormy sea back to that boat together. That's, that's incredible to me. That's what I want. I want to follow Jesus in every way that I can. If you're not a follower of Christ, if you're not in a, in a relationship, a, a, a personal level of a relationship, should he decide, should he decide to, to show up tonight to claim his children back? That, that rapture that's talked about in the Bible, that, that catching away before this ridiculous time of tribulation that the Bible describes takes over. I've, I've recently saw some things that I thought was pretty cool, actually. I get kind of excited when I see end time looking stuff um, because to me it means our time's just a little bit shorter. I'm not going to have to endure this decrepit old body that doesn't want to do anything much longer, you know? And, and, and when I see things like this, this was. This was a pretty far-fetched idea of what was coming and laid out this crazy video and, and um, it talked about this weapon of mass destruction that, that uh, could be used against us at any given time. They called it an EMP. It's an electromagnetic pulse. And basically what, that, what, what they described in this video, and I, I absolutely know nothing about it, no, no clue what they're even talking about. But it describes a detonation above the Earth's surface that wipes out all of our communications, that wipes out our, our infrastructure, basically, no power. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to interrupt everything of our lifestyle. And, and, and then these dark days. And this, this guy goes in from this into basically trying to sell you on his prepper material is why I find it kind of funny. But I got to thinking about that, and I thought, you know, the Bible describes that we will be caught up into the air with Jesus. The rapture. The, the, the catching away. It'll happen in the twinkling of an eye. Maybe it's when that EMP goes off. That we're gone. Those who are followers of Jesus Christ, that's the moment that we're gone. We're out of here. We disappear. The, the Bible describes that there will be mass confusion because there's going to be millions of people gone just not here any longer how cool i mean i get i get i get excited when i start thinking about this because i want to be in that i dag i'm sure don't want to be here afterwards <laughs> that's not going to be any fun could you endure it and still come out of there and, and make your way to heaven it's possible bible says it is but i find it unlikely that if you can't live for christ now i don't see you living for christ then but I want, to, I want to challenge you today. If you are not a living, breathing follower of Jesus Christ, if you're not in a walking relationship with him, I want to ask you, 
if you'd be willing to make that decision today. I don't put notches in my Bible. I don't count heads. I don't report on my Facebook page that, you know, 14 people gave their lives to the Lord this weekend. That's not between me and you. It's between you and him. Your decision to follow Jesus Christ is between you and the Lord. But what I want to ask you in the, in the midst of your community today, and, and it's not just for, for our, our participants, our veterans that are here. It's just for our entire volunteer base. If, you, if you're not walking in a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, you're missing life. You're missing hope, and you're missing peace. I struggle, I fight, but I also know that I've got someone standing with me that it doesn't matter the battle I face. If it takes me to the brink of death, I know where my future is. I have peace about where I'm going. All of this crazy chaos in this world today doesn't bother me. I'm not scared of it because I know where my future is. I may have to endure some things for a time, but when that time is over, I know where I'm headed. I have no doubt. If, 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 you, can, if you can't tell me today that you're not sure, if you can't say I don't have a doubt, if you can't tell me that I want to challenge you to make a change about that today. Before you leave this place, I, I want you to find one of our volunteers one, or, or, me, or myself, and I want you to ask me to pray with you today. That, that, that your life will never be the same again and that you can walk with Christ from here on out. Never to be the same. Knowing that you've got a hope for your future and knowing that your life is different and your life has changed. And, and then I'm going to ask you to do this. Just like Adam did, just like I do, Remington, these guys in the blinds with you guys all weekend long, that you share your life with someone else. That you, you become that light shining in a dark place. I've, I've got messages all over my podcast, the things that I, I've, I've God shows me different things. I'll probably take Adam's story from him and turn it into more of a sermon too. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I hear things like that. I write notes. I jot things down. God speaks to me in crazy ways. But, but I think it's cool because it allows me to share my craziness with you. And, and, and I'm no different than anybody in this room with the challenges and the struggles that I face every day. But I know who I serve, and I know where I'm going, and I've got peace that goes beyond my understanding when it comes to times like we're in. So as we close this weekend out, if you're not, if you're not in a position that you could say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I'm ready to go, I want you to find one of us. And let us pray with you before you leave. There's On this table, I've laid out some materials. There's some Bibles over there. There's some devotional books. There's actually a financial book that's written by a, a, a retired, uh, can't remember if he's a colonel, or, but he, he wrote a financial peace book. Um, there's some handouts. There's some, there's some little devotionals that you can take with you. Um, but any of that material, take any of it that you want, because I want you to find your way to peace with the Lord. He is our only hope. Amen. Let's, let's pray.